and welcome to the newest episode of Cheap Seats. As always, I'm your host, Derek Steele. I got three guests on today. Let's go around in a circle, introduce everybody. I'm Blake. How we doing, boys? I'm Hunter. What's going on? And Dawson muted. Dawson, unmute yourself. What a clown. Hello. Okay, that is that is Dawson. We love we love Dawson. So um, I want to jump right in. Let's talk about some um, NBA draft stuff. Um, the thing that stood out to me the most was um, honestly the Pistons. Troy Weaver, in my opinion, did a really good job on draft night. He walked in with one draft pick at number seven. He walked out with I believe four or five different players, and all these players that he picked are special in their own ways. I know Isaiah Stewart, I've seen so many highlights on him since he's been drafted. He's looked phenomenal. But I just wanted to start saying um, hats off to Troy Weaver for an awesome job on draft night. Um, What other thoughts do we have for that? You know, I'm not really a big NBA guy, but, I mean, watching free agency and stuff after the draft was pretty weird because usually there's like a week in between kind of like a re-sign phase between the draft and free agency. It was really different because, you know, there was a lot of teams that were, you know, drafting high up in that draft that really made some steals in free agency the day after to really improve their lineup. Yeah, um, definitely, Dawson. That was a really good point. One pick or one signing that really shocked me that you mentioned is Gordon Hayward going from the Boston Celtics to the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte's going to have a good team. I think Charlotte can make some noise in the East this year. They got LaMelo Ball at number three. He fell, and a lot of mock drafts had him going number one to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but Anthony Edwards, I think, is going to be a really good player. But just that signing of Gordon Hayward, I think, is going to help out Charlotte a ton. And I guess that's all we have to say about that. So Dawson kind of alluded to it. I want to talk about free agency a little bit. Um, What signings kind of surprise you the most or, like, what signings are going to help the team the most in the long run? Um, so the Pistons, the Christian Wood, like, trade, like, that doesn't make sense to me. He's the only bright spot of the team last year, and now he's gone for an old head. Like, doesn't really make sense to me. Um. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I will say that I think I need to be getting a new, um, hole in the wall fixed in my house after I found out about Christian Wood leaving for Houston. No, hats off to Christian Wood. He played um, phenomenal. He's getting paid like the player. He he deserves to be paid. And um, he is a, he's going to be a really good player. And I kind of see what Troy Weaver is doing there, trying to get these players that we can draft or that we can trade later for draft picks. This is what an NBA rebuild should look like. Troy Weaver is coming in right now and blowing everything up so we can draft or so we can draft and we can get these young players to help like a Killian, Killian Hayes, a Sadiq Bay, an Isaiah Stewart, these players that can help um, rebuild Detroit and make them a winner like they once were. Yeah, see, I know what you're saying. But if he wanted to rebuild, he shouldn't have given away Andre Drummond for, like, a bag of chips and, like, 100 bucks. And then uh, Yeah, I agree. And then now we have Blake Griffin, yeah. who's going to rot here. So, 
I no, mean, remember, that was not well, Troy Weaver who traded Drummond. That was the old GM. That was not Troy Weaver. But, and Blake Griffin, there's really no team that wants Griffin right now because he hasn't proven, him, proven himself the last couple of years. In my opinion, he's starting to look a little washed up, and he's not looking like that effective veteran player that he was a couple of years ago. You know, I've seen a lot of teams, for example, the Pistons, in many, even in other sports, kind of say they were starting to rebuild like four years ago, wipe their teams out with all this old talent to get salary cap room, and then go out and buy old heads that probably won't last in the league more than, say, seven years. And they're just going to go right back to the rebuilding phase in another four years. And Mm -hmm. there's no point on, you know, I get it, you know, the Pistons, you know, making moves and whatnot, but if you're going to get rid of young talent that you guys that they basically threw themselves out there a couple of years ago to start rebuilding, why even sign them? You know, he doesn't want to play there anymore. If their management's going to be like, oh, we're going back to the rebuilding phase, that might be in there 10 years. You don't know when that's going to change. And, you know, it's the management in some of these teams needs to figure out if they're going to really commit to rebuilding or they're just going to, you know, let the players just live out of their primes. Yeah. Um, Dawson, you've made some really good points there, but one thing I also want to look at is I know this team has been blasted the last couple of years and especially the last year for their cheating scandal, but the team I like to look at when I hear of a rebuild is the 2017 Houston Astros. Look at the core of that team and look at all the young talent they had in Alex Correa, George Springer, Jose Altuve. But they also went out to get those veteran players, those big-name players in Dallas Keuchel, who's been, who was in Houston pretty much his whole career. They went out and got Justin Verlander. They went out and got Carlos Beltran. They got all these veteran players to help out the young players. And those veteran players were the analogy I like to use is they were the icing on the cake. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with the Red Wings. That's what's going to happen with the Tigers, the Pistons. The Lions are a whole different story. They're just an eternity of disappointment. But um, that's just my opinion on it. Well, you know those veteran players are not going to come somewhere with little to no money. They want money. You know, Mm -hmm. they want to stay there for an extended amount of time. And if you don't have the money, they won't be coming there. Simple. Yeah. Every yeah, veteran player now is money hungry. And, you know, I've seen it with my own favorite hockey team, the Blackhawks. You know, they they announced, you know, right after the cup run in 15, they ran right back to rebuilding. And this year, Bowman announced they're going to start rebuilding again. And, you know, you got these veteran players on the first line of both offense and defense that are fed up with it. And if I were them, I'd ask it traded because you don't know how long they're going to be in a rebuild phase. And you got so much young talent. You made the playoffs last year. Why announce you're going to rebuild? It's just management issues. Yeah, that's definitely a really good point. Um, moving on from <clears throat> uh, NBA basketball to some college basketball, the first games are Wednesday. They're in two days. So I kind of want to go through um, the top 25 and one conference that's really standing out to me is the Big Ten because there's a lot of really good teams, in my opinion, in the Big Ten. You got Michigan State, who's ranked 20 or 13. You got Rutgers, 24. You got Illinois at eight. 
Ohio State at 23, Iowa at 5, Michigan at 25. So there's some Big Ten teams up and down um, the list of the top 25 rankings. Do you think it's safe to say that there's going to be at least one Big Ten team come March in the Elite Eight Final Four type of area? Yeah, I think it's going to be like the same as last year. I feel like each team's going to beat each other up. You know, each team's going to lose to like some random bad team in the Big Ten like they did last year. Like th- these teams kept beating each other up in the Big Ten and they couldn't get a good spot. Um, but I think Michigan State is going to be one to really watch in the Final Four, maybe even in the National Championship. I mean, just look at the recruits Izzo's bringing in. Even these three-star recruits, Izzo makes them up to be a five-star at the end of the day. And I think, yeah, Michigan State's going to be the team to beat this year. Yeah, that um, definitely was a really good point. Um, kind of moving on with the conversation, how do you think COVID-19 and this pandemic that we're living in right now, how do you think that's going to affect it? Because we, we've clearly seen that take place in college football with Trevor Lawrence being out a couple games, the Florida State game, the Florida State-Clemson game getting canceled, and there's just been some really key teams such as Wisconsin. Um, Maryland had a game canceled this weekend against Michigan State. How do you think COVID-19 is going to affect the college basketball world, which, by the way, we've already seen with Duke having to cancel their game on Wednesday? Well, I think what's going to happen is if for the tournament, I feel like they should do the bubble move and just have all the teams stay in one area, play in one stadium, and just keep everyone in the same place, quarantined, and pretty much do what they did for the NBA playoffs. You know, what I've realized with Clemson, you know, having been out for a couple games, you got to have people that are going to be able to step up in those positions and have players that are good enough to replace those starters so that your team doesn't look, you know, a big, you know, different. You know, you had the Clemson QB that came in Notre Dame game, first game. Guy didn't, guy didn't look that bad. It's Clemson, you know. They got good players all around. But you got – if you, you know, you replace them with like a two-star recruit or something, you're going to – it's going to stand out like a sore thumb. You got to have people to replace people. And, you know, it's going to come down to who's ready to play when you come back and who's a couple weeks behind. And, you know, it's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's been with all professional sports this year because, I mean, look at the Major League Baseball right now. Um, They played a 60-game season. The Dodgers ended up winning the World Series. And look at the depth the Dodgers had on that team. Yeah, really, they they didn't really have anyone go out long-term for the coronavirus, but look at the depth they had on that team. And they – it was like one player went out, fill it with the next one. And, Dawson, I feel like you alluded to that a little bit with Clemson because it's so true. Clemson – It's just that football program right now, kind of like Alabama is, where it's like one player goes down, we're going to replace them with the next one. And I feel like that's why Clemson and Alabama seems to be a top five team every year. Well, um, moving on from some college sports, I want to go talk about the NFL. Um, I kind of want to talk about what I consider to be the elephant in the room with our own home team team, hometown team, the Detroit Disappointments. When do you think – Ford is finally going to take the hit and fire Patricia and Quinn. Um, hopefully after this year. He, uh, Jim Caldwell got fired after a winning season, and we haven't seen Matt Patricia do anything even near close to that. And I have no idea why he's still employed. 
he uh, he shouldn't be working there next year. You know, they hire all these Patriots coaching staffs and coaching. You know, oh, they're it's just like Michigan Harbaugh. Oh, we've hired Patriots coach it. We're gonna be just like the Patriots. Well, that ain't the case, Chief. They, oh man, that yeah. You know, you fire. I don't know how you fire a coach that you were over five hundred, made the playoffs. That's just oh, that's oh, that's got off horrible. And then you go right back to the bottom of the barrel. That's got awful. See, I think this is where the Fords are just so. And Bob Quinn, because Bob Quinn has a relationship with the New England Patriot Patriots. Um, it's not Matt Patricia or any of the other coaches. It's Bill Belichick that just does all the work there in New England. This is why I never count the Patriots out of a season because Bill Belichick works his magic and always get, finds a way to win or get to the playoffs, even beat big teams in big games. But, like, for the Lions, you can't be signing these guys because they're under Coach Belichick before. So they're not going to have that same atmosphere here in Detroit. Yeah, those were some definitely some really good points. But I kind of want to point out the game that happened this week. Carolina entering this game was what three and seven. Yeah, they were like three and seven. Nope. They were yeah. they're projected to get a top five to top ten pick in next year's draft. So that's a team on paper the Lions should have beat, but they got shut out. And yeah, you can say Galladay and Danny Amendola were out. Hawkinson didn't look his best. DeAndre Swift was out. So injuries. Uh, Stafford didn't. Wasn't 100% injuries. But, and Hunter, you talked about this. Bill Belichick is probably one of the greatest coaches in the NFL. Heck, he is the greatest coach in the NFL right now. And I feel like what's nice about him is he can take any team and make them into a winners. And that's what Patricia doesn't really have that talent. And it was shown again last week against Carolina. And it's going to be shown against, again, again against Houston because Houston has a really good quarterback. They got a couple of really good wide receivers. Houston is a team that they can make a bad defense look bad. And, Deshaun Watson can have a good day against bad defenses, and I feel like that's what's going to happen Thursday against the Texans. And it's going to show, once again, that Patricia is not a coach, and he cannot take a team like Belichick can and turn them into winners. I mean, yeah, this, this is the game where the Lions, this Thanksgiving game, this is the game where the Lions just need to show, like, you got to get healthy. I think that's part of the reason why these guys weren't playing because they, they, they play Thursday, which is such a short, note, short schedule. Um, so you, you got to get these guys healthy, but this is like the game to show, um, that you can fix something. Um, it's a decent team. If you go out and win on Thanksgiving, Hey, you got to bounce back at some point and just finish the season strong. You guys aren't going to win, go to the playoffs. Just get a good, good rest of the season going. If, if you lose the game, you just got to tank and take your draft pick. Yeah. It goes goes back to what I said earlier. If you don't have players to replace the got the starters that are decently good, you're in trouble. And look at where they're at. It's not surprising they don't have no one that is experienced and ready to play to replace these guys that are starters on the lines. It's pure simple. You know, yes, you can talk about Belichick's influence and whatever. His team is just as bad. And, you know, it's the Patriots. They're not going to make the playoffs. It's simple. But you got it goes it bubbles down to do you have players when you know these situations happen that are able to replace those players that are starters and J- 
just goes to show your team isn't good unless you have more than one guy that is willing to replace the guy up front. Yeah, um, that was a good point. But, I mean, it's the NFL. Like, these players should be ready to play week in and week out. As as well as the coaching staff, they got to have a game plan, game plan ready. And I think we've seen that especially this year a lot with uh, the pandemic and games getting canceling, canceled, game times getting shifted around, opponents getting shifted. I know for Buffalo uh, earlier this season, there was that game or there was that week where are they playing Tennessee or are they playing Kansas City? Like, so it's just all about knowing who you're playing and being able to prepare for that. And it's the NFL. Stuff is going to happen and you just got to be able to bounce back and be ready for whatever. Um, moving on, I kind of want to talk about. I want to talk about the only undefeated team left in the NFL right now, the ten and O Pittsburgh Steelers. Blake seems to be really happy about that. Do you think they're actual contenders, or do you think they're kind of fakers at ten and O right now? Um, I mean, they're they have to be a contender if they're ten and O. If they haven't lost, like. Obviously, they have flaws in their game, but they're they're like a contender. Are they are they the best team in the league? I don't know if I'd say that right now, but like obviously the strength of schedule isn't too high. But I mean, the t- they've they've never lost to a team in the they've played some good games. They play some good teams: the Ravens, the Titans, Titans, uh, and and they won those games. So obviously, I, I would say they are a contender. Yes, I mean this this. Thanksgiving night game is um, Pittsburgh and Baltimore. So, I mean, this will be another test for the Steelers. Can Baltimore figure out an offense for once? I mean, their offense is just not looking the same as it was last year. Something's off about it. Um, But, hey, I mean, it's still the Baltimore Ravens. They're a good football team. And I think this Thanksgiving night game is just going to be one of the tests for both teams. Uh, Okay. So, Pittsburgh and Blake, I know you said this. They're ten and zero. Like there's some respect you got to put into that, but they really haven't played any excellent teams. But then, played- not so fast, Mister Steele. Not so fast. They are in probably the toughest division in the NFL right now. That is, who have know, they played? Who have they played? That's hey, a Super Bowl contender. Teams, you got three teams in there with winning records, Derek. Who's who have they played, Dawson, this year that's a Super Bowl contender? Uh, the Titans. Okay, that's it. Okay, they beat the Titans. They played a good against the Titans. Yeah, so they're, not the, they're not the toughest division in the NFL. I'd put the NFC West at the top for the toughest division yes. in the NFL. Yes. But, but, you know, they, they do not have an easy way out. I can tell you, they're going to lose a game. It's just a matter of one. To who? To who? To who? To who? Another who do you NFL think? team. No, no, really? I thought they were going to lose to an XFL team, Dawson. They'll make the, play- they'll make the playoffs <laughs> undefeated. They'll make the playoffs undefeated, but they'll get knocked out right away in, the, in, the, in their first uh, playoff game. Guaranteed. The first – yeah, no, that, that's just that's – If just, that happens – They're not going to lose first their first game. game, what? In the playoffs. They're going to lose their first game in the playoffs. No way. Just how it works. They're going to lose, lose the they're gonna, they're gonna lose their first playoff game in the playoffs – or their first game in the playoffs. Okay. Hey, you know, Hunter, I got you on video saying that. I'm going to make sure to save this video and I will play it back after the playoffs and to see if that's true or not. Put this on video too. If Stafford was on a different team, he'd have two rings. Okay. 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 
Okay, I'm rings. not going that far. There's only one you know, current quarterback who has three rings. What do you mean? Uh, I think the Steelers, if they were going to lose a game, it would be either next week or – I hate to be biased, but I'm going to be biased, but it might be – The Browns? And Cleveland. Yes. Cleveland. In Cleveland. In Cleveland, it's probably going to be freezing cold. And Pittsburgh's used to play. What? Pittsburgh's Listen, used hey, to playing in the freezing cold. Listen here, they're they're going to rest a lot of players that last week for yeah, the playoffs because they're so, going to need them. Because they're already going to have the That's one a good season. point. It's That's sad, a good it's point. Sad because your best receiver is a rookie, and you have not that many weapons that. Juju Smith. Are you kidding me? Juju Smith. Juju Smith. Johnson. Eric Ebron at tight end. Juju Smith-Schuster is not their best receiver on the team. It's, it's Claypool. All right, so Claypool, and then they have Deontay Johnson. I mean, that man's been putting up, like, 15 for me in fantasy every week. And then and then you got to wait. So Juju, Johnson, Claypool, you have a good Eric Ebron. running back. You have Eric Ebron. Like, their wide receiver core is kind of like one of the top in the NFL. I find it hysterical that the Lions get rid of Eric Ebron. Look what he's doing now. I mean, that's just Detroit sports in general. I mean, he was trash at the line. So I mean, look, look at the offenses that Ebron's gone to work for or gone to play for. It's a lot more pass catching and a lot less blocking. When he was in Detroit, he was a mainly black tight end. And then he dropped the ball. And then he dropped the ball. But at the end of his tenure in Detroit, I remember this clearly. He started to catch a lot more, and he started to look like a usable tight end. Then he went to the Colts. He had that really good season at the Colts. He went to Pittsburgh, and he's shined in Pittsburgh because they're using him as a pass-catch tight end, like the Lions are using Hawkinson as a pass-catch tight end. Yep. I, feel, I feel like Quantes Cephas is just a wide receiver Ebron right now. He's a wide receiver, Ebron, because and when, he, when Ebron was in Detroit, when Ebron was in Detroit, Quantes Cephas hasn't really caught a single football. He has, like, what, like five catches? Only yeah, five something catches. like that. Yeah. He's, he, he drops the ball in big plays, and he did, one of the plays, he couldn't he, – he stopped running for the ball. I mean, he's just – we saw this in Wisconsin when, when he was a, a senior in Wisconsin. He just wasn't that talented of a receiver. Okay, so that was a hot take of the day about um, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I did not intend that to get that heated. Um, moving on, I want to bring up this. Don't, do, this it. Don't do the Buffalo Bills. Oh, if yeah. This are losing the next six games. Hey, no. Dawson. Dawson, I was going to bring up a game I thought you wanted me to bring up. Hey, what, bro? Rutgers. No. Woo. Oh, hell no. We ain't talking about that. Oh, whoa. I mean, a part of me was a little bit joyed to see that, but. Well, well, we do have, well, I could tell you this. Michigan came freaking close. If Rutgers wouldn't have blown that freaking field goal, they would have been in hot water. Mike Vlani probably would have had a field day. I was hoping that was going to happen, but I don't know. We don't talk about that. I'll tell you what, Dombron's got to go. If you're putting these guys oh, on, an sure. island, on an island against these top receivers, you got Chris Olave, one of the top receivers on Ohio State. They're, Ohio State's putting up 100 on this team. On this nah, team. They're probably going to put – you know, it's a, it's it's, a rivalry. It's, Ohio State's not going to care what the score is. They're just going to keep going and going. They're going to keep going. They're, gonna, they're just going to keep putting it on. And it's in the horseshoe this year too, which is even worse. 
But I could tell you this, if you're going to have that close a game against Rutgers and force three overtimes, that's a bit much. Because it's literally it, – you can't expect your team to win if you let the other team put up 47 or however much Rutgers put up. And, like, Don Brown is running man defense against bumming receivers with true freshman quarterbacks, and they're burning them. Like, how are you going to do that against good receivers? It just doesn't make sense. He needs to put in his own and, I don't know, get new DBs. I mean, I feel like offensively Michigan t- – Tried to find something with putting in Cade, yeah, uh, Cade whatever his good. last name is. With um, Yeah, with the frosted tips and the throwing glove. Oh, um, it's fire. You know, it. he doesn't throw as hard as the ball as Milton. It is more accurate. It reminded me of Del McCaffrey. Um, but, you know, you never really saw much of the run game. You know, they had like one of the strongest running back cores and they're not even really using them. And plus you got a young, young offensive line. Um, but still, you can't. You can't put your offense out there for 30 seconds and then put your defense back out there who's already gassed from playing man-to-man coverage. I mean, it's just not a good look for Michigan right now. It's Next week's really going to be a real kind of statement. You got a Penn State team that, oh, they're just having a terrible year. So is Michigan, you know. Even being a Michigan fan, it's not a year. This is, this is, this is the worst I've seen Michigan in my entire life. For sure. And – you know, they said before the game started, if Michigan went, if they lost, this would have been the worst record since, like, 1830-something. Why do you want to have that tie to your game? But, I, you know, Penn State is still a decent football team. You know, if they're going to come out and think they're just going to roll teams, they didn't roll Rutgers, so – Crap! Every game must be close now. They will. They will beat. They'll beat Penn State. They'll lose to um, Maryland, and they'll lose to Ohio State. Oh, we're beating Ohio State. Oh, this would be the year just to beat Ohio State. Just to shut them off. Oh, it, it, you know what? He's right. This is the year to beat Ohio State in a pandemic and the worst yeah. Michigan team I've ever seen. Lose to every State. team except Ohio for Ohio State. State. That would be insane. I would – oh, my God. I don't know if I could ever watch It's just like game. every year, right? Win every game and then lose the last one. This year it'll be lose every game and win the last one. Hey, Hunter. <laughs> win, win against Ohio State. Prove that Harbaugh can actually beat them. He stays for one more year. Still, still Suffer, under five hundred. Hunter for one they're more gonna, year. They're not going to fire Harbaugh. He's, they're, he's getting paid so much that they're not going to fire him. They'll fire Don Brown and Gaddis before – They'll fire Harbaugh. You know, Harbaugh could leave, though. That's the, the only problem, situation I see him not coaching next year if he leaves. I seriously think Michigan wouldn't have been in this situation if they would have freaking started McNamara at the first quarter. If, if Dylan McCaffrey didn't enter the transfer portal, we'd be and looking then, And then Nico good. Collins going to the draft. Exactly. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. And then know, I, Black transferring. I would give Harbaugh one more year. I would ship Brown out. Gaddis, I give him one more year. Yeah, uh, Boston's being a little generous over here. Hey, the, hey, hey the he hasn't had bad, a quarterback but... that has filled his fulfillment here. True, yeah, true. Patterson yeah, look, look was the stats that Cade has, and then look what those stats that Joe Milton has. He's like five, five for twelve. Oh shoot, you're talking about high school? Yeah, it was like, I, high school. He was the he's the best player yeah, in Nevada. Nevada, two years in a row, like. 65, six, 165 then, touchdowns versus like 30 on Joe Milton. Next year, you got a five star QB oh. coming in from I- JJ. I- come I- on, a- a- McCarthy. You know, 
this is, next year is the time where I think this is the statement year for Harbaugh. Um, he, he's on the hot seat right now, but I, I kind of agree with Dawson now. You got a, you got a five-star uh, quarterback who even said he's still committed to Michigan, yeah. even though they're playing terrible. Um, you know, you got a, 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 a huge, huge line of recruits coming in too, full of four stars and five stars. Um, but again, if, if Cade keeps playing like this, I don't know if J.J. McCarthy will get a starting spot for the next three games next year. Yeah, it's, I don't know. You know, Milton, you know, he had his chance at the start of the season, you know, to come out. You know, he did good the first game. I don't know what happened after that, but clearly he was doing something wrong. And Harbaugh needs to realize, okay, this guy has under 40%, you know, completions, and something's got to happen. Because you can see right when they started the second half, they looked like a whole new Michigan offense. And they – they were producing. They put Rutgers right back on their heels. Yep. And right, right when right when Giles Jackson took it to the house at the start of the second half, yes, I was like, all right, here's the spark that Michigan needs to get right yep. back in this game. Even it's though it's Rutgers, I saw the spark that they needed. I mean, the, the defense is just awful. Um, but I saw the spark in the Michigan offense that they needed, though, in that game. In this we're going to have to see next. You know, I'm wondering, you know, if they're going to do this – is there a bowl game require, win requirement this year, or are they just throwing that out the window? Uh, if Michigan goes five and three and beating Ohio State, which is very unlikely, unlikely yeah. um, if they go five and three, they'll be ranked again and they'll be in a bowl game. Yeah, you know, I think this is the year where, you know, yeah, you don't have a good record. This is a year kind of to figure out your identity. I think, you know, yeah. going into next year, what can we figure out now that'll put us on the right note next year? I mean, you got you, they get the they got the recruits, and it must be coaching. And they have the big players that come in from all across the country. So then it's got to be coaching. Yeah, it it boils down to are the players really, you know, it's that environment. You know, you got to get these these guys are top notch recruits. How are they not producing? With that comment, um, that's going to wrap up episode five of Chief Seats. We're going to leave it on a cliffhanger. We will come back to this next episode. Um, thank you, guys. Right, <laughs> thank you for watching episode five of Cheap Seats. Um, that's all I got to say. Any last comments? Roll time. <laughs> With that being said, um, that about wraps up Cheap Seats Episode 5. Hopefully, within the next couple months, we will actually be able to produce these live. Um, I know we've talked about this a bunch off of, like, Zoom and stuff like this. The plan right now is as soon as we are cleared to do so, we will be in the podcast room producing these live at least every other week to start. And then I hope to get in there as often as possible. With that being said, thank you for watching episode five and see you next episode.